Hi, I'm Oki, and welcome to Tell Me About Your Book. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Tell Me About Your Book. I'm really, really excited to be talking to a horror author by the name of Danny Dickerson because I've been trying to talk to him for like 80 months, it seems like. But we're talking <laughs> we're talking about his work called Hell's Play, which I'm so crazy fascinated about. Hi, Danny. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I'm really happy to be on this show with you. Yay, thank you. Yeah, it's just great. You know, uh, I'm excited to do this podcast. It is my first one. Yay. <laughs> I'm glad that you talked me into doing it. Yeah, yay, thank you. I'm glad you're here. It's not that I, I wouldn't want to do it. It's just I've never done anything like this. And I'm like, well, I don't really know what a podcast is uh, is going to be like. But I'm right. like, you just convinced me. And I'm like, yes, let's let's do this. Let's there is no bribe, let me say. There's no bribe, just FYI, everybody. <laughs> Let's talk about your opus, your work, Hell's Play, because yes. you're very big on social media as well, on Instagram that I noticed. The description alone of Hell's Play is so fascinating. Can you go ahead and tell me what it's about? Yes, I can. Okay, so the thought of one's life, the concept that one's life continues after one dies is a great one to have fun with. I mean, the possibilities are endless. And so the concept of it is that you continue on living after you die, but it's it's all an evil charade. Oh, man. I kept it more simple in my novel, but you can do a lot of things with it. So I have the protagonist, Abe, in Hal's play, have his loved ones and, and friends and family just slowly turn on him. And they're not who he thinks that they are. Every single day, they just get worse and worse. His whole life is falling apart, and it leaves him feeling alone and desperate for help. At the same time, there's this arsonist gang that's just terrorizing the city. Whenever he turns on the TV, he sees war, he sees famine, he sees natural catastrophe. It's just all unfolding more and more, making him think like, what is going on? And he gets so desperate for help, he finds the Holy Bible. And unfortunately, the Bible is blank, making him seriously oh, wow. question. Right. It makes him seriously question the grim situation that he's found himself in. Ultimately, he does find out that everything around him, every person around him, is all fake. It's all just a game to scare him and to corner him. Then, I mean, the ultimate goal is to take his soul. And then once they take his soul, then they, then that goes to the hell gods who are orchestrating all of this stuff. And so the actors that are portraying the people that he knows and and loves and everything, if they do a really good job at scaring him, they get a better role in the next Hell's Play. So it's just like an evil Hollywood. They're just trying to perform yeah. on each Hell's Play just better and better. 
uh, you know, the way they get their, their better roles. You can do anything with, with hell's play. The idea of hell is, uh, it's a scary concept, but if you think of just some kind of burning lake of fire, you know, it's scary. But I wanted to create something that was just more more entertaining as a fictional story to read about. I kept it simple with Hell's Play. Let's let's say theoretically, let's say somebody was scared of a zombie apocalypse. So when they, they're going through their Hell's Play, uh, a zombie apocalypse just unfolds. Or let's say that your deepest, darkest fear is Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, which I don't know. Is that you? Yeah, it is. I have three. It's Leatherface. Yeah. And the reason why I say three is I love watching scary movies. I love horror movies, everything about it. I love everything about it. And I can watch it every day, all day. But three, that will give me nightmares. All the other ones won't. The three is Leatherface, Pennywise, and Hannibal Lecter. Right. Those are only three. So the fact that you're setting Hell's Play up as in something of your deepest fear will manifest that's really scary to me and oh. which makes this book even more attractive to me. That's the thing though. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean like there's so much that you can do with the, the concept of hell's play the possibilities. They're endless. Let's say that somebody is terrified that, you know, Texas chainsaw massacre is going to be their life. Their hell's play could become the Texas chainsaw massacre or let's say that it's Ghostface from Scream right. or right. Michael Myers. You could even have Freddy there turning your unexpected new nightmares into reality. It's really a way, like if this were made into a movie, you could right. bring back all of the slasher icons. All the villains. Right. Yeah, because they've made so many of those movies before and they probably they're probably just tired of it. And they don't know what else to do. You could bring it back with Hell's Play, you know, even with just like a short story. You could even have multiple Hell's Plays going on, incorporating all kinds of fears of people. So you could have them all at once. You know, when you read these horror books, there is a disconnect because it's not real. It's not something that would happen normally in our lifetime. It's too out of the realm of possibility. Right, exactly. But now you're putting the possibility of our fear that that it could happen. You're kind of like making that bridge a little closer, which makes this book even more brilliantly done, which is a good and a bad thing for me with my fear, though. But (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Danny, can you tell me how it's been since you published your book? Well, once I was published... I got some credibility to my name as an author. Even though I have a publisher, I still work constantly to promote myself. Uh, I do my own website and social media marketing, which I had to learn how to do. And it's just an ongoing process. You just got to learn. You just have to keep learning, and that's how you make it. At least that's what I'm finding out. You know, there's only two royalty statements uh, that happen per year for the publisher, Olympia Publishers. So. So there's no way to find out how good the book is actually doing until the 30th of this month is the deadline for it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it just takes a while. It's such a long game. It is, you know. Plus, it's been five years pretty much just to get this far. 
it took me two and a half years to write it and then like another two and a half years to finally get it out there. And like I said before, you guys do all that. And then we're the ones that's like, I read it in one day. Oh, yeah, I read okay. it in two days. <laughs> When is the next book coming? I bow to you in the others, man, or any authors really that that's willing to do this. Good news is that this right here is the second book. Okay, please tell me about about the second book. You don't have to go into full details or anything, but the fact that it's it's done. It's uh, going to be done by the end of the year, very close. Then I'll get done with the rewrite of it by the end of the year and then have the my editor do the editing on it around that time is kind of where I'm with a time frame I'm going with. Yeah, the the next book is because you got I figure you just got to keep them going, you know, you've got a gold mine so far already. So you might as well keep being on this ride. So yeah, we're in right? for it. This one is called The Devil's Tree. I only wish that I could tell you the concept of this one, but I have to wait. Well, it's a secret because it's not been published yet, but it it's so good. This story oh, is nice. So yeah. Nice. It's Honestly, so I love an author say that. Uh, I always say, you guys do the hard work. You guys get all convoluted in there mentally with your book. Go ahead and say this one kicks ass. I love this book or what done. You know, mm. this is your platform. Yeah. So go for that. But too bad yeah. that I don't get to to know it already, uh, at least on the show right now. Well, so you maybe definitely not on have the to show, come back. Yeah. You definitely have to come back once you publish The Devil's Tree for sure. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, this is a lot of fun. Okay, so we meet Abe in your book. Now that you've said us what house play is generally about but the yeah. main part of the book is about abe but there's other characters in there that you've put in which i would love to know about especially lady diamondback i think she seems like a fascinating character <laughs> how does she play into the book especially with abe so that's where it gets kind of uh kind of interesting so in my it's original... already interesting <laughs> It's just a fun character that I created. And I've been doing some concept art on it. I'm even comic booking one of the short stories that's at the end of the book. But Oh, man, that's so cool. In my original manuscript, before I had it edited, there was uh, three short stories at the end of Hell's Play. And there still is. My editor chopped them down quite a bit because he felt it took away from the narrative of Abe, you know, the whole story. Oh, mm -hmm. He's a very good editor. And I took his advice through almost all of the book. And in this particular instance, I did take his advice. So Lady Diamondback does have kind of a cameo in there. It, it's a short story. I'm using my original manuscript to comic book what my idea was. So what she is, she is a separate character. Okay, so Abe, as he goes through his His house play. I'm gonna say this is a spoiler, you know, uh, for the story. You so, sure you want to tell? <laughs> do, should I? Do you think I should? Because I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It, It's up to you. <laughs> it has to do with how Lady Diamondback comes about. Maybe without spoiling. Okay, <laughs> there's a group of people in my book. They're called Hell Runners. 
And a hell runner is somebody that has escaped their own hell's play. They got out of their their hell's play. They were shown the world that they live in now. And so I portray that as a purgatory planet that's a desert wasteland. And in this wasteland, there is a hell cloud that forms from the ground all the way to the sky in the the size of, say, just a city, just any city. So so the hell runners, they live in this purgatory planet. There's very little resources to survive, food and water. You don't have much. All you have is going into these various hell's plays, getting food and water, like stealing a vehicle and driving it back out and then giving it to all the people that are in this desert wasteland. If a hell runner is going through a hell's play, that's pretty much what they try and do is just get their food and water and whatever kind of medical stuff that they would need for people. If they happen to find somebody in need, they try and rescue them. So in, in hell's play, as they're going along, they're going through a hell cloud. They enter into Vegas. Because you don't know where you're at whenever you're going into the hell cloud. You could be in Paris, in Germany. You don't know. I until was about you to ask that. Yeah. Yeah. So all you see is this huge cloud. So you're going in there and you don't know what you're going to encounter. What kind of thing is, is going to uh, unfold? In Vegas, I have three separate stories. Uh, one of them uh, is Lady Diamondback. That's her story. And so the Hellrunner is training someone else to be a Hellrunner, showing them how this whole uh, whole thing works. And when they're in Vegas, they meet this group of bachelors that are rowdy. One of these guys, uh, his name is Nick. Him and all of his guys are are at the strip club. One of the dancers is dressed up like a dominatrix. It's his bachelor's party, and he's up there, and uh, he has a heart attack, and he dies. Uh-oh. And so his hell's play is where he wakes up in the hotel room that he started at like it was all a dream. But the dancer that was dressed up like a dominatrix is in the room with him. She says, uh, well, hey, how you feeling? And he's like, I thought I died. Whoa. And so he's trying to figure out why he's still alive, and he thinks, okay. I get. I just had a bad dream or something. And she says, well, hey, look, if that's what you're into, I've got a friend. And she sets up a meeting. And that meeting is with Lady Diamondback. And so goes to see what he thinks is, you know, like a good time. Yeah. And so Lady Diamondback, she's a demon that's part woman, part Diamondback snake. That's scary to be. Her tongue is the rattler off of a uh, snake, and the snake goes all the way down. I need you to illustrate that for sure. Right. All right. (laughs) She's got reptilian eyes, and her skin can turn reptilian. That's how Lady Diamondback enters Hell's Play. She has a very small part. That's more of the long, drawn-out story of Nick and how he encounters Lady Diamondback. Mm -hmm. And then there's two others that that are quite fascinating. That's the concept of Hell's Play is it recreates your death in a way that will terrify you. And it could be anything. Like we said, it could be Leatherface. It could be it could be Jason. Well, I think this is absolutely fascinating and scary at the same time. No wonder you can definitely call yourself a horror author because not only there's creepy elements to it, there's also that fear that's embedded into us as a reader. And that's what... I'm getting out of this book 
before we get into about you as a horror author, are you done with House Play yet? Because I feel like you can definitely write more and more of different versions of House Play. Like, are, are you making this a oh, series or anything like that? I initially wrote it uh, as my it's my first book, and it's just such an accomplishment for me to have the first book. But now you know, that it's art, that it's out. I'm able to kind of step back and think about things. It's got the potential. You could make an unlimited amount of Hell's Play stories. It's whatever you can kind of think of. Because of the concept, you could do anything. And so you could turn this into a Netflix like show. And it could be everybody's idea of what they think a Hell's Play could be, the story concepts, they could send them in and they could do episodes. You yeah. could have numerous episodes and seasons of Hell's Play. I was going to say, this is like its own American horror story type. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the, the possibilities are, are endless with this. I wrote it initially as just Hell's Play, as this is this is my introduction to the concept. Like the concept of it, but not yeah. not each like human story quite yet. And then whenever I put those three short stories at the end, I know my editor, who is great, by the way, I, I really, he was just fantastic. Kenneth Russell is his name. He told me that it was too much for that because I, it just took away from the narrative. But the reason I put those short stories in there is that so the reader will know what the concept is. They'll better understand what Hell's Play is. If you see three short stories, then you start to understand exactly what's going on. Like the know? basis of the story, yeah. the, the horror element that you're trying to have as like the structure and the foundation. I, I really love that you've set up this creepy element to it. Just anything that's deriving from our fear, it's so good to read about. What can you tell me about you as an author? To me, uh, writing allows me to relieve the creative tension that's in me. My imagination is usually on autopilot with so much formulating in my mind. So it feels good to type it up just to kind of get it off my chest and see what I can do with it. I'm naturally creative and artistic. I have a big imagination that just takes off on its own. I got lost in movies growing up, and that was my escape. Any publishing stories? Anything crazy that happened? It is hard to get published. I do highly recommend an editor. I think it's it's so important. You know, as a writer, you're doing so many drafts of your story until you feel like it's good. And then whenever you hire an editor, it really bumps it up quite a bit. Like it gives it the professional look and the flair that it needs. An editor will give you guidance on story flow, characters. Trust me, two heads are better than one. And so it took me a, it took me a year before I realized I needed a, needed an editor for Hell's Play. I thought that it would be just good enough as it was, and I really see the difference in hiring a professional. You know, to go through the manuscript, and we work through it chapter by chapter over the course of a couple of months, two or three months. And then we decide what to take out, what to leave in, what to add. I think that that was extremely important in the process of actually getting published. So Danny, where can we get your book? Uh, you can get it at Barnes and Noble. 
Uh, you can get it off of Amazon. You can get it at Books a Million. I don't know if it's everywhere, but it's it's a lot of places. And people so can it's, find it's, it. it. People can definitely find it. Like it's it's out there. Well, I want to say thank you for coming by today and talking to me about this world that you've created or this concept of yeah. of fear and horror, actually, and the fact that we can pull our own fear into these words. This is kind of crazy to me, but I think this is fascinating. So yeah. thank you for coming by. And you definitely have to come back to to talk to me about the devil's tree. So oh, uh, any last minute thing you want to say before we go today? I'm currently working on a book trailer for Hell's Play. Oh, uh, nice. And so <laughs> this, this book trailer, um, I wrote the script on it. We've got three scenes that we're uh, thinking about doing. These uh, scenes involve face morphing effects. Um, oh, and man. <laughs> it, it, it involves a, a burning theater in the background. CGI. It's kind of a throwback to one of my idols, Alfred Hitchcock. I grew up with his TV show, and maybe not a lot of people know about that or him nowadays, but... He would do these kind of witty intros or exits, you know, on his uh, on these different programs, these different episodes. It's kind of my take on doing something similar to that. I've outlined the script for it. We're trying to get actors into place. It's going to have all those professional elements to it. Uh, I've got the the actual mask from the cover of the book. I've got five masks. We're going to use the mask. So whenever you hold up the mask to your face and you pull it away, that face is going to morph into somebody else's. So the idea is I'm talking about the story of, of Hell's Play, the concept, and then my face keeps changing because the mask on the cover of my book is not something like you would see in a slasher movie. It's not actually in the book. It's just an idea that the person that you're talking to isn't who you think it is. They're all wearing masks. Yeah. And, man. and it's a tragedy mask at that. It's in the works. We don't have like a, a time set as to when we're going to start filming or anything. Another thing is I do have somebody interested in producing Hell's Play as a small budget film. That's so cool. He's only shown interest in it. And this is like, this is Wichita, Kansas. So there is uh, the Tall Grass Film Festival, which is here. But his idea is that, so you take Blair Witch, Paranormal Activity, Saw. These are all low budget horror movies that did well. So Blair Witch, it was like roughly 60000 to produce. And it grossed like billions of dollars. Right, right. And Paranormal Activity. It was like uh, somewhere around fifteen thousand budget, and it grossed millions of dollars. Right, yeah, you know. And so, Saul was also low budget. It was more than that, but because he he didn't even know that I wrote a book, and he said the idea of that is 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 just it's great for a movie. You don't need a lot of money to make a movie nowadays. People are making movies with their phone. We could make a movie. From Hell's Play, or at least some of those short stories, and enter them into the Tallgrass Film Festival. That is a possibility in the future. Now, I have to write the script, and I haven't done <laughs> that, so it's going to take some time. That's so cool. I love that. Fear 
And suspense has always left a lasting impact on me as far as stories go. In horror writing, fear and suspense are used to manipulate the reader's emotions and kind of keep them engaged in the story. By creating an atmosphere of fear and uncertainty, as a writer, I can control the pacing of the story and keep the reader hooked until the very end. So the use of like cliffhangers, unexpected twists, turns, and the slow reveal of information all contribute to a building of a sense of fear and suspense that I think a lot of readers want. Ultimately, the role of fear and suspense, I think, in, in horror writing is to create a visceral reaction in the reader, to make them feel as though they're experiencing the horrors of the story firsthand. And this emotional response is what makes horror writing so effective and memorable, as it leaves a lasting impact on the reader long after the story has ended. And that's like with me, you know, like with all these stories that I liked growing up, you know, it, it, it left an impact. Whenever I was, a, I was a teenager, I wrote down in a binder all of my ideas for stories. I just didn't have the ability back then to actually write them. You know, now here I am at 40 and it's been five years right in Hell's Place. So I started in my mid thirties, but um, I have the ability to write. It just so happens that most of my stories were scary. Those are the ones that kind of stuck with me. And, you know, like you can find all kinds of horror just everywhere in life. Absolutely. Even you know, when you, you don't think it's horror, it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's all kinds of bad things going on. But <laughs> when I wrote Hell's Play, it's it's more about suspense and psychological thrill than it is anything else. That sums it up perfectly. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, once again, I just want to say thank you for telling me all this and coming by and showing us your world and your approach to horror fiction and scaring the hell out of us of this concept, honestly. <laughs> so uh, Yeah, absolutely. Come back again, Danny, and we'll keep going with this because the more I listen to you, the more I want to do some sort of like horror author panel thing and just discuss right. your, your craft. But I, I will I will let you go for today. This has been a fascinating thrill ride into this world, this fearing horror elemental world. So thank you. Right. I will talk to you. <laughs> I will talk to you again, Danny. I'll talk to you oh, next time. Yeah, thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me About Your Book. Please continue to support indie authors and indie bookstores. And if you would love to support Tell Me About Your Book podcast, you can certainly do so by going to buymeacoffee.com slash tellmepodcast. For a price of a coffee, you can support monthly for just $5. There's other tiers too in the memberships, and you can look at all the info about it, and I would certainly, certainly appreciate it. And of course, there's the other podcast, Books, Cats, and Snacks, where Caddy and I talk all things book and about her cats too. See you then.